Korea's attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. You like my face? You like it? Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid, where well, we're all for safety, we don't consider beach footwear to be uh, adequate head protection. <laughs> um, I'm joined today by Chris Evans. Hello. And Tom King. Hello. Whose name, for some reason, I always seem to almost forget whenever I do this. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> um, and we're here to talk about... Uh, the prep for the Hungarian Grand Prix and make some predictions. So, uh, a couple of talking points today. Um, I suppose the the first one that will go through will shall, shall we talk about Kubica? Yeah, testing in Hungary. And the um, we'll talk about the Hungary test. I think to begin with, that's probably yeah. quite an interesting, yeah. juicy one to to get our teeth into. Um, so yeah, the Hungary test, the young driver test slash just general test. Uh, it'll take place after the race. Um, and in that test, we're going to see one Robert Kubica, who's uh, not driven modern Formula 1 machinery other than sort of the most recent one, I think, was a 2013 Renault, uh, was it? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. 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 It's, um, um, and that... it's all aboard the hype train again, isn't it? It's every time he does something and we all tell ourselves not to go overexcited about him coming back and then they seem to keep stepping it up and now he's actually doing an actual in-season test with yeah. the current season's machinery and it's hard not to get overexcited. Yeah, I'm excited by it. I, I'm, I'm very excited. I really want to see him race in one of these cars. I think I think it'd be right up there. I think it'd be absolutely rock solid. I suppose the test will give us a pretty good idea, won't it? Yeah, definitely. Depends. Is I can't remember who's in the full lineups that's is, is there any regular drivers at all in the full lineup there are one or two let me just get I know, the lineup i know we've got charles leclerc and i know we've got latif is driving a renault as well as he as well as kibitza yeah, yeah. Um, um i can't remember who else i've seen though most of them are to be announced so ah, right. um in the mercedes we have uh, young george russell current gp3 ah, yes. leader um, yeah. In the Ferrari, we've got Charles Leclerc, as you said. Um, Red Bull have not announced, but I think Gasly's supposed to be doing... Uh, I think it might be Gasly, yeah. Um, Force India have got Nikita Mazepan and Lucas Auer, um, sort of splitting days half and half each. Mm. Uh, Williams, Toro and McLaren haven't announced who they're going to go with. I imagine McLaren will be sticking with their current drivers, if, uh, if that's possible for them. Um, oh, excuse me. Haas... Uh, I've got Santino Ferrucci on both days. Renault have Nicholas Latifi and Kubica, as we've mentioned, and Sauber have Gustav Malia and Nobaru Matsushita, who are both GP2, uh, sorry, Formula 2. Yeah, um, Matsushita's doing okay as well. He yeah. usually, he's usually there or thereabouts in GP. Uh, I'm doing it myself now, F2. Yeah. So, yes, he it's, is. Um, yeah, it's tricky. Is I think there's only a limited number of days that they can actually have race drivers do. Um, where is it? Two of the four in-season test days have to be completed by drivers who have competed in no more than two Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which is which is part of the concern they had with Giovinazzi early in the year in the Sauber, wasn't it? Yes. Because they didn't want to cause it to end up in a situation where he couldn't do the test, seeing that he was actually contracted as the test driver and he's not racing this season so yeah yeah 
Yeah. So it's exciting to see some some young drivers getting a chance in in proper Formula One machinery. Yeah, there's um, a lot of like names you see batted around as potentials for the future on that list. So yeah, yeah names that you see if you watch F2 regular as well. Yeah. You know, like Sermash Sita and um, and Leclerc and people. You know, at least they're getting the chance to come up and get in the yeah. next level of car. Yeah, I'd absolutely. imagine Giovinazzi would be in the Ferrari actually. I. Potentially, yeah. Yes, maybe, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a he's a Ferrari uh, young driver, isn't he? Even though yeah, he's... yeah, him and the clerk, and then Fuoco, who is one of the who is Leclerc's teammate in mm. F two. Yeah. So just to give people an idea of where these young drivers are in terms of their championship in GP two, um, Charles Leclerc is currently the leader of GP two champion. Uh, sorry, I keep calling it GP two. It's yeah. F two F two championship. We'll get um, there eventually. Yeah, in about. 10 years <laughs> maybe when we've learned all the corners relearned all the corners at Silverstone um, <laughs> uh, yeah he's on 188 points he's got a very very strong lead over he's... Artem Maglov Maglov yeah. sorry uh, he's only on 121 so he's absolutely run away with it as we've mentioned on this podcast yeah yep. Good. He's, he'll go far old look yeah. like um, behind him we've got Ollie so let's just we'll talk about the sort of note where ones inside the uh who are doing the test so Gustav Malio where's he he's in uh, he's 11th at the minute yeah Swedish driver I think uh, Masushita's something like 7th or 8th I think at the uh, minute. he's 7th at the minute on yeah. 66 points he's um, in a few seasons of F2 now hasn't he I think yeah he's, right I think he's been around a little while yeah um, um Maybe we'll look that one up. I'll um, have a quick look. Yeah, Fuoco, he's uh, he's up in 12th at the minute. So, you know, I mean, I, it's not necessarily being high up the order in the championship in F2 necessarily gets you a drive, I guess. It's we more can, associational uh, all the time, isn't that. it? Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. Mark Love's in his third season. Ah. Uh, ninth and eleventh in his first two seasons, and he's currently seventh. So, I think I think Masushi's the same as well. I think he did. I want to say he did fifteen and sixteen in GP two when it was GP two, and then obviously this year in F two. But I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's been there two or three years now. I feel like he's one of those drivers that will do a few years in F two, then just sort of disappear off somewhere else. Un- unless Honda want to bring a Japanese driver through, yeah, possibly. Well, he's either that or he'll end up in Super Formula, won't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's where uh, where young drivers go to stay fresh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the interesting driver for me in that list of uh, of young drivers who are going to be taking part in the tests at Hungary is George Russell, um, the young Brit who is currently leading the GP3 series, um, and he's absolutely ruined away with it. He to give you an idea of how good he's doing the current standings when they load on my screen hmm. um he's got he's got 92 points to his nearest competitor um hubert who that's a real name and um he's on <laughs> he's on 57 points um he, healthy lead yeah he, i think he won race george Russell won race one uh, um at Silverstone and before that he won race one at Austria as well gaining and got to fastest lap at both as well in that race so that gives him 29 yeah, points yeah he's, he's had 
I can tell I tell you I know for a fact he's had two wins, two pulls and two fastest laps. But he's not been on the podium other than those two times. But he's obviously been there or thereabouts in the six races. So to have that kind of lead. So let's just go through his seasons leading up to this drive that he's got. Because to me, he's he's sort of a bit of a future star, I think. Well, I know you'll probably cover it in a second, but I I remember watching him a few years ago in Formula 4, which is the series that sort of follows around the touring cars and everything. Uh, And that was... How old is he now? He's 19, so that must have been 2013, 2014, something like that, when he yeah, won it. He won. It. He, he was the champion of the Formula 4, BRDC Formula 4 Championship in 2014. There we go. Yeah. Um, from there, he went on to uh, do the FIA Formula 3 European Championship, where he finished sixth for that season. Um, in Zandvoort, At the Zandvoort Masters of Formula 3 that season, he came second. Um, and his 2016 season was uh, as part of the Formula 3 European Championship and he came third in that. So he's been sort of, you know, he's been putting in solid performances, I guess, to to, to get to where he's been. And he, he, yeah. he, he he's no slouch to be sat in that um, Mercedes seat doing Not this all. test. Um, he says that he's probably done more testing in their simulator than anyone else as well. So he's very much <laughs> looking forward to... Uh, getting um some time in the real in an car. actual car yeah, yeah. exciting um, stuff yeah really exciting um is there anything else to say about testing and young drivers guys um i'm just happy to see leclerc getting an f1 car same as i'm happy to see george russell getting an f1 car yeah um but above all i'm happy to see robert kubica back in yeah it'll be It'll be interesting to see what happens there. I think. Yeah, it's it's, it's always great to see see these young guys get a chance and the to, to show what they can do in in these cars. Yeah, you know? it'd be really interesting to see some of their time. Even though it's test, it's, it's testing, so they'll be testing bits and bobs, won't they? But it'll be good to see what they can do. If you know the proof is in the yeah. pudding, once these guys get in these cars, if they post representative lap times, then you know whether or not they've got the goods to deliver in the future. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so moving on to probably our biggest talking point of the week probably everyone in the world of Formula <laughs> One's biggest talking point is the sand I mean the halo I was going to say sandal then the halo <laughs> um, if you're guy. an Australian listener he means a thong <laughs> what <laughs> and you know he... they call them thongs in Australia what f- f- flip flops yeah, yeah yeah flip flip flops the ones that go between your toes that everyone's been comparing the halo to yeah. they call them thongs in Australia oh what what like Foot thongs, no, just thongs, just thongs. Yeah, that's uh, th- there's uh, that's almost as confusing as Americans calling um their butts their fanny. Yeah, that's that does cause issues sometimes in conversation. Also, yeah, although even if you're not Australian, calling it a thong kind of still works anyway. Yeah, I can, I can. It's not of... unlike the same shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, so that's uh, that's enough about the halo. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, yeah, so it's obviously a very serious matter. Head protection is super, super important. I think we all agree that they they do need some form of head protection to supplement mm-hmm. the helmet. Um, would you say so, Tom? I'm very much of the camp of stop rushing it for the sake of rushing in it because I think that there's better options out there and uh, 
the FIA are rushing into something to cover their own rear ends in case something happened. But there's, I don't think there's any way that the halo would have helped Jules Bianchi or Felipe Massa, which are the two of the most recent head injuries we've had yeah. in any way whatsoever. And I also am of the belief that the crash that Fernando had last year in Australia where the car pretty much disintegrated and he crawled out from underneath it, he wouldn't have been able to get out of that if, if the halo was on the car because of the way that it landed. So well, I think that it... I don't know if it's going to serve the purpose they want it to, but time will tell, I suppose, won't it? Well, the Chris. FIA said that they did a test with just some guy who works at the FIA and they put a car in the same position Alonso's ended up with and some random unfit bloke from the FIA was able to get out of the car <laughs> with the halo on. <laughs> so if some some rando from the office can do it, you'd imagine a fit and healthy yeah. F1 driver could do it. Um, mm. the, more, the more I've heard and read and thought about this over the last week or so, the more I've landed on the side of this being a good idea. I... Yes, it's not a particularly elegant solution to the problem. But if we spend another year faffing around, trialing different things, uh, working out something that keeps everyone happy. I mean, let's face it, no one's ever going to all agree on the solutions to this. But if I spend another year faffing around, something terrible could happen. It probably won't, but it could. I mean, people forget... We've had two really near misses in the last few years. Um, Alonso twice. Um, first when Grosjean flew yeah. across his nose and then last year in uh, Austria when Räikkönen ended up on top of Alonso's car. And they were both very, very close to killing Alonso. Like, there's no two ways about it. He could have died in both of those incidents. Yeah. And that's two of the crashes that the FIA studied and detested of and stuff. And they came to the conclusion that in both cases if it had been the worst case scenario, the halo would have probably saved him. Mm. And it's difficult. It's, I, I think, I mean, I think like, like I say, I think we're all in agreement that something needs to be done. It's just over what the solution is that what annoys me is the amount of people who are just saying it's, it's not F1 and there should be an yeah. element of danger and all this. I yeah. just don't buy into that personally. I, I I I'm quite torn as well because I mean part of it I mean part of the thrill of Formula One is that there is a side to it as as dark as it is there is a side to Formula One that that is exciting because it's so dangerous to a lot of people mm. so while I don't while I don't agree that drivers should be deliberately put in danger I do think there's an element of of sort of just <sighs> things that make things exciting is often that is peril peril makes things yeah. very very exciting you don't see a film you don't watch a film where you know everything's okay <laughs> do you like that that's not a very interesting <laughs> thing to watch if everything's just normal all the time but yeah. then i suppose the counter argument to that is there's enough at stake already with race wins people what people want to win people are fighting for their drives people are yeah. fighting for their place in formula one then so it... do that do, do their lives really need to be at risk you know? the th- the thing is is if if it is such um a big thing that you know it's it's going to be as much of a safety improvement of the FIA as the FIA is saying it is then to me 
it should also be being fitted to F2, GP3, Formula 4, and so on and so on. Anything that's FIA sanctioned yeah. should be getting these next season. It shouldn't, or, or at least as soon after F1's got them as possible. Yeah. I guess the I, speeds I think they will. Lot, the speeds are a bit lower, though, aren't they, in, in those? Uh... <laughs> they are, but they're. You know, it's like when you think about dangerous. Henry Surtees and stuff, yeah. the, the reason that we have wheel tethers and stuff like that now, the exact thing that this is apparently to help protect against is things like loose wheels and obviously cars coming over the top of other cars. Mm-hmm. That happens in GP2 and Formula 3, yeah. probably more than it does in F1 because the drivers kind of put themselves on the line a bit more. There's a little yeah. more, I wouldn't say desperation to win, but there's a little bit more of a, I'm going to put myself here and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm putting in your hands to decide what happens next. And there's a lot more of that, I think, in lower categories than there is in F1. My feeling is that when when you look at closed cockpit racing series, the the people who talk about, people who do talk about the danger and and sort of F1 being F1 and stuff like that, it's just as, you you can't completely sterilise it. Like it's, there's always going to be, even if it's, even if the cars are completely closed up and they're in a, in a, in a sort of cocoon, which they basically are anyway. Yeah, you you're never going to be able to make it one hundred percent perfectly safe because just because physics, you know. Yeah, if, of course. If you're, yeah. if you're inside an object and that object stops, no amount of safety protection around the car can stop your organs from jiggling about inside you. So, yeah. and and that that was key to to Bianchi's. Um, oh yeah, and and yeah. I think a lot of the detractors from the halo have been throwing his name around an awful lot and i don't think anyone for a second is claiming that it would have saved him nothing no. would have saved him no of course could, not. like yeah but so I'll, I'll run through this list of the other uh well they they tested lots of different crashes the the main ones they did were alex Vertz's williams going over Coulthard's red bull melbourne 2007 uh Liotz's yeah. force india riding up the front of schumacher's mercedes in abu dhabi which i forgot about yeah. actually do you remember that, that when a, he that was yeah, a really yeah. scary one that's yeah. like a front wing to the jaw almost wasn't it that yeah one? he yeah. nearly just hit him full in the head um yeah. grosjean going over alonso reichland and alonso uh and then the death of formula 3000 driver marco campos uh at manicor in 95 when he landed upside down on a wall Oh. And they've said that all of these, um, to varying degrees, the halo, they in their calculations, will have had a positive effect. At, at worst, it will have had zero effect. At best, it would have had a positive effect. Uh, they also tested out the IndyCar crash where Justin Wilson died, um, and they, again, believe it would have had a positive effect on the outcome. They're, they've not gone mm. as far as saying he would have survived, but they've said no. it would have had a positive outcome. Okay. So I'd, I'm absolutely not denying that it would help in the in 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 a crash situation most 99% of crash situations it would probably help my worry is that like some t- it needs a lot more research before they go into it because yeah. they, they it feels like they're quickly sort of rushing to a solution without necessarily taking in all the ramifications because when you think about that spring that came loose from was it um Barrichello's car and, 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 yeah. and, and came at um, Massa. If the halo had been there, what's to say that it would have got wedged in, that that object would have got wedged into the car and done even what, more damage or something like that? What's to say it wouldn't have got deflected down, hit him in the body and seriously yeah. hurt, like, it hurt him even worse? Yes. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there is things like that to factor in. The, 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 there's another side to it, and which I don't think many people are talking about, and that's 
could it be adding more danger to the situation at the uh, and only solving part of the problem? Well, the FAI said that um, while it's obviously not designed to deflect small objects, they said they've said they've conducted nearly a million tests involving small missiles. And again, they say the danger was significantly less with the halo fitted than without. Um, again, it's. I mean, I would imagine if that spring had clipped a halo and fired down into his body. I mean, a lot of the speed would probably have been taken out of it before it hit him. You could also argue that being hit in the body is potentially still better than being hit full in the head, even with a crash helmet. I mean, I don't know. It's. Mm. It's all. Yeah, yeah. The the thing is, you know, you don't want it to happen. No. To have to find out anyway, do you? It's exactly. Not really, something you want to be thinking about, but it's to to me, it's just would perfecting a full canopy and taking the extra year to perfect something like that rather than rushing something like this in just maybe be better long term and just have a single solution. That's yeah. tested properly I, because I think we're going to end up with a full canopy at some point in, yeah, like, yeah, let's say the next definitely. five years. I think we're going to end up. And to me, I think as long as it stayed open wheel racing, I'd be fine with it. Because to yeah. me, that's what F one is. F one yeah, is open wheel racing. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't buy any of the. Oh, they're looking more and more like LMP one cars and uh, stuff. I, I don't um, buy that. Yeah, that yeah, can I just that no. Um, and. Like I think that the the mock-ups that the some of the F1 teams and designers have done over the last few years um, would probably suffice anyway. Sort of the things that we've seen with the McLaren and the things that we've seen with the Ferrari and stuff like that. Yeah. So the interesting thing that that happened at Silverstone in terms of canopies for me was the way uh, and, and what I don't like about about some the way this has been brought in is. Vettel didn't even do a full lap. No, he, he went out on an outlap and came straight back in with with the with the canopy on, claiming to feel sick. But from one person doing, yeah, off the that, back of one person just... doing one lap, they seem to have ditched that whole concept. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Um, I think it was Will Buxton said when you couple that with the fact that um, Vettel's recently had a long conversation with Jean Todd um, regarding things like road safety. It's if there's not a conspiracy, it's certainly giving the conspiracy theories <laughs> plenty of fuel, isn't it? It's, well, yeah. there, there was there was another conspiracy theory that Ferrari, after testing the Halo previously, when it when it because they were one of the first teams to have it on yeah. board, weren't yeah. they? It was yeah. them and Red Bull, I think. And there's a conspiracy theory that's turned the rounds of that they've already managed to work out some kind of aerodynamic benefit yeah. to having yeah. that on there that they can work with. Which means that they think they've got a head start for when it comes in next year. Well, yeah, so obviously they're going to veto anything else if that's true. Well, yeah, supposedly I... Ferrari were the only team that voted in favour of it. Well, there you go. Then I mean, that's, that's supposedly a dry for me. Like, uh, call me the conspiracist, but conspiracy. Call me the con- call me. Oh, can't speak. <laughs> what joins to call what, you, what Stu? Me, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, call me a conspiracy theorist. That's difficult to say. There we go. Um... But yeah, I, I totally. I, I that was the first thing I thought as soon as he went back in the pits and started whining so loud, like he always does about everything. Um, yeah, I thought th- there's only one reason why he could be kicking up such a stink about this, and that's because they want the halo. Mm. They were they were they, like Chris said, they were one of the first people to test it, 
with with Red Bull as well. And Red Bull have been less vocal about it. They were more about an aesthetically more attractive look, which was the canopy, wasn't it? That their their yeah. own kind of what was that the what was that one called? Um, Aero Screen. Aero Screen. That was it. Terrible um, name. Yeah, rubbish name. Silly. <laughs> but look, for me, I think the solution. If we're coming up with solutions, then I feel like the whole shape of the chassis needs to change to accommodate the, the canopy. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on your opinion of this. I yeah. think that what you've said during the week when we've had our conversations is spot on, which is it, it leads us to that full canopy thing. Yeah. But it means a redesign of that life cell, if that's what they call it, the sort of the, the bit the driver's in. I think they call it the life cell these days. But it needs a redesigning of that to... I think your your opinion on it, Stu, was make it wider so that the screen's yeah. not what the curvature Vettel was complaining about. That's what yeah. it was, wasn't it? Well, my, my thing is, if you if you make if you make the the cockpit wider, you can then remove the wing mirrors from the side of the car, and the wing mirrors as it is now, they're they're basically ineffective. They vibrate so much that they can't really see through them. That's why you see so many people. That's why you see Vettel whining about blue flags all the time. And yeah. <laughs> Don't start me on that. Side. Yeah, <laughs> and, and allowing you, people on YouTube to make awesome videos about it, um, <laughs> which we'll link to uh, in the notes. <laughs> um, so if if you take those wing mirrors away and put them inside the cockpit as two small screens either side of the car or even one screen inside the car for the driver to be able to see and they know what's going on behind them, that makes the blue flag situation. A lot less of an issue it makes the, the sport much much safer because you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about as much about what's coming up behind you because you can see it um it makes the racing better probably because it allows them to defend easier because they know where they are um and not only that the car looks like it's all been designed into one thing because the chassis is wider yeah. the, the 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 driver can see through the windshield because it's a wider thing it's not a do- it's no longer a dome over the top of the driver's head it's it's a more sort of straighter thing that doesn't yeah. contort the view of the world outside i definitely feel like this is we we're going to have it's going to be a closed canopy formula within not too long yeah and I think the halo is just the first step in that direction. It's a, there's no doubt they rushed it because they said they'd have something by 2018, and they're going to have some 2018. You know, we've got an FIA president who's basically his entire presidency has been based around safety and road safety and stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it's also we're just about to come up to uh, an election for the FIA president. In fact, so you know that's certainly got something to do with it. The biggest mistake they they made was putting a date on it. Yeah. If if they've yeah. not said we will do this by 2018 and just said we will do this, then there'd be none of this pressure to shoehorn something to, to slap an object onto the top of the existing chassis. It could just go into the to the next aero regulations, and they could just make it a closed cockpit formula from then. And there'd yeah, be they... none of this hoo ha that we're having now because all this does is makes Formula One look bad as well because it. What's the betting that this is going to get thrown out? They've not even 100% committed to putting it on yet. I mean, they're 99% committed, but things can happen to reverse this situation. And if that does happen, then everyone just comes out of it looking like an idiot. Yeah. I think they can't back down now. Um, if for no other reason that if they back down now and then someone got injured, 
Mm. Or worse. That, that's the problem that they've put themselves in now, though, as Stu's saying, I think, which is because they've said we will have something by 2018 because of what I think was was it back in 2016 when they said that? It was a couple so. of years ago yeah, now, it was wasn't a it? Of so years back. 2015, 2016. So they've said by 2018 we will have something. And then there's been, to me, there's been no sense of urgency to test anything. Like we've had a couple of Halo tests, we've had one single Shield test, whatever it was called. And then suddenly that's it, there's a decision. So over the course of that two years where they've said, we will have something by 2018, I'd have expected them to be doing a lot more tests um, on actual cars with actual drivers between when they announced yeah. it and, and the, the 2018 season. And I think they just backed themselves into the corner, like Stu says, by saying, we'll do something by now. And like then that then brings the situation you're saying, Chris, which is if they said they're going to do something, then don't do it, then something happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're up I mean, the creek without a paddle, aren't they? Yeah, totally. And that's that's an issue they have with everything these days, though. If they don't put anything on a car, particularly tyres, testing, it's near impossible with the current testing regulations. Like, no yeah. F1 team's really going to give the FIA one of their cars to run for a few days to test the halo, are they? No. Well, I mean, and if they is... do, every other team's going to moan that they get an advantage out of it. So Exactly. Well, why, why haven't they got, why haven't they had the halo running on old, like, old cars? But the, the 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 cockpit area hasn't changed really. True. In, in, yeah. In years and years, well, since I think two thousand and nine, they changed it to have it higher up around the driver's head. Um, and since then, it hasn't. That 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 area of the car has stayed exactly the same. So yeah. why not put stick it on an old McLaren or an old yeah, uh, you know, an old Braun? <laughs> put it on the Braun because it's the purpose is to test that it looks right from inside the cockpit and the cars don't really look that yeah. different from inside <clears throat> from what they did that's, years and years ago so that's the only other thing that's brought up a lot of debate is obviously people have <laughs> created their own simulations yeah. and it looks hella dangerous from these simulations yeah. the thing like is- you can't see up over rouge and you can't see down the straights at barcelona and stuff and it, it does look i think that there is a natural adjustment that your eyes would make with that being in the centre of the vision in the same way you can't, you know, see your own nose. <laughs> but, you, you know, it's that, it's, it'll be that kind of adjustment, but yeah, it's I just mean, how bad it actually is. Because what you don't want is someone saying, oh, there's yellow flags at the top of Eau Rouge, uh, there's a driver stopped on track, and then a driver be going into Eau Rouge and not being able to see what's coming at him or what he's going towards, yeah. or whatever. I mean, I think those like mock-ups are a bit misleading, because obviously they're 2D images, and humans yeah. have 3D vision. And I mean, they've already got a bunch of aerials and stuff stuck in front of them anyway, and they, they all say like they don't really see them. That just kind of tunes out. I don't think it's... I mean, and let's, let's not forget that last year, uh, Rosberg ran the halo in free practice at uh, spa and his fastest time of the practice session was set with the halo on yeah so it can't be harming yeah. him that much no, that's, um, that's, a good, that's an interesting point i think yeah you definitely take those mock-ups with a pinch of salt because also not only are they uh sort of not 3d imagery and and kind of um shonky looking but they're, they're made by some random dude who's yeah. just sort of testing it out so I you know think, what uh, yeah they, it's they made felt... them in our factor or something yeah. like that yeah it's made they, them one of the sim did, races they felt a bit agenderist to me when i saw them yeah I think yeah it might have made them a little bit bigger than what they actually are just to prove a point it'll be interesting to see what codemasters do with their f1 games um whether they actually like remove them for the in-car view or anything because obviously oh yeah 
it's not a representative way of seeing that anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. interesting point, actually, yeah. Or even um, before actually... wear 3D, uh, not 3D, sorry, um, VR. <laughs> yeah, only in VR, that'd be a risk. Yeah. Um, I think, I actually think a bigger problem is going to be the start lights. Mm. Yeah. Certain grid spots aren't going to be able to see the start lights in their current <laughs> no. positions. I think they're going to have to rethink that, to be honest. Yeah, well, they just have to put more lights in, won't they? Yeah. Like near, down the side of the track. I think they'll have to, that, yeah. That's how they do it now. Like They've got another set of lights halfway down the track usually, don't they, for uh, yeah. For, yeah. The, for the people who are less quick in qualifying. Um, um, I wanted to read you this, that reading this kind of, I would say changed my mind, but I think this kind of cemented how I feel about it a little bit. This is from someone on Twitter called Elizabeth Worth. Um, she seems to work in motorsports. I'm not sure exactly what, but she seems to follow Formula E around the world. Um, not sure exactly what her job is though uh, but she said the first time I went to an IndyCar race I saw Justin Wilson die I talked to him that morning and he was dead 12 hours later uh, I've been to a lot of races and that was the only time I ever heard a grandstand for silence and it's a f***ing eerie experience that was my first race after Jules had passed away he was one of my favourite F1 drivers and I went to uh, Pocono to, ho- to cope Pocono being the IndyCar circuit uh, the experience was so devastating that it made me question being a motorsports fan. I knew it was dangerous, but this was avoidable. I don't care if halos are ugly. I don't care if they're not their final perfect form yet. Drivers need head protection. End of story. You all put on a big show mourning dead drivers, and when they try to solve a problem, you pitch a fit. Yeah. And that's a big thing for me. The amount of people who are, you know, they'll have hashtag JB17 in their Twitter profile and then yeah. talk about how... It's not Formula One if it's not dangerous and it doesn't look right. And so it's like priorities. Yeah, I think. I think I'm, um, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. Again, not for a second saying I like the Halo, but I, I just think it is something that this, it's this a route the... we need to go down. And if this is a badly executed first step of that route, then yeah. I guess I'm okay with this it. Is, this is the beta version of head protection yeah. for me. Hmm. Um I do feel like it could do probably that it should probably be more refined, but we're here now. We're in this situation. They've yeah, backed themselves. It's, I think it's happening. Corner. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, and just just a point to the the oh we don't want it to turn into LMP people. I, without like shunning people, I just want to say I think that they need to sort of grow up and just respect <laughs> that the you know other forms of motorsport do exist. Yeah. and if they're safer for that reason, then F one does need to embrace it. And let's not if, forget, if, a few years ago, LMP one was open cockpit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Things change. Yeah, people exactly. people complained when seatbelts were introduced and when. I mean, when the bloody hands device was first introduced, a lot of drivers complained and didn't like that. And now you just could, wouldn't imagine an F1 driver racing without it. Well, it's, yeah, it's like you, you go back far enough and like there were no seatbelts, no helmets, yeah. no fireproofs, no nothing. And <laughs> the general philosophy was, ah, yeah, but I'm safer if I get thrown out of the car than I am staying in it and yeah. crashing it. Yeah. Like, are you? <laughs> yeah. But Maybe in those cars, but not, in, not, in, not when you're doing 200 miles an hour around a car. Well, yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I don't think you've flung at 200 miles an hour into uh, the field at Cops. (laughs) (laughs) And there's been a lot of noise from the less favourable side of F1 fans, let's say, saying how this is, you know, the death of F1 and I'll never watch again. And, you know, these are the same people who said they'd never watch again after these engines were introduced and after the wings changed in 2009 and everything else has ever changed. (laughs) Like, Yeah, yeah conservative um 
worries. Yeah, I, I, I think that some of those people might be better off not watching F1 if they don't yeah. like the look of it. You know what I mean? If if they're that against it, they're probably better exactly, off yeah. not watching it in general. Yeah. Same as the engine thing. Mm. You know, we weren't happy about the engines, but yeah. still a good sport and it's yeah. still you know keeping what, us right? entertained. Just on that engine thing, I've said I've probably said this before, but I'm happy to say it again. I actually prefer the sound of Formula One cars now to what I did then. And I and I and, and anyone who thinks that I haven't sort of heard a real life Formula One car going around with one of those <laughs> big engines, I have. Um, and with, and I said it ages ago. It's a much more interesting, tasty sound that they have now. You can hear a lot more. You get more sound for your money because you can hear lots and lots of different things. You can hear turbo whistles. You can hear tires rubbing over rumble strips. You can even hear the tires screeching as they go around the corner sometimes, yeah. which we never ever heard before because the engine was just drowning everything out. So now you've got There's instead mo- of having a plate full of. Instead of having a plate with a steak on it and nothing else, now you've got a plate with a steak on it and some chips and mushrooms <laughs> and an onion. <laughs> Not all of it's nice, um, and you've, you know you've got all sorts to to tuck into. So I, yeah. I prefer it. I prefer it. I think I think that the engine, the the modern engine now compared to what it sounded like when it was en- introduced, is far better anyway. Because yeah, if you go back and listen to like the first couple of races with this engine yeah. formula, they sound quite a lot They were actually. very dull. Um, and having seen them in person as well, both of them, I could tell you that the, the more recent version of the hybrid is by far better. Yeah. And I think the, the thing in London kind of highlighted that when one of the first versions came out. I can't even remember which car it was now, but that sounded like awful compared to what we've got yeah, now. It's terrible. And it just bounces it out. I, I still, I do miss, I'll never say I, I don't miss like the, you know, the V8s, the V10s and stuff like that, but there is definitely more variety. I agree with you on that, Stu, yeah. definitely. I don't think I prefer one or the other, but... Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. I, I don't necessarily, I, it's not that I don't like those. I did like, you know, I like sitting in the grandstand and feeling the noise resonate yeah. through my body and the vibrations in my chin. You can feel, anyone who hasn't been to, anyone who never heard those engines back when, I suppose did miss out because these engines oh, certainly yeah. don't rattle through your body in the same way that the noise from those do i remember the williams going past us at testing at silverstone one year and dear me like it was painful yeah it it got painful like we were there all day and they were pounding around all day to be fair and normally you'd only be there like two hours but still like the thunder that 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 thing no it wasn't even thunder it was louder it was louder than thunder it was crazy Mm -hmm. um and yeah your whole sternum your rib cage you can feel everything shaking inside you from it was a very visceral experience though the older cars yeah yeah but also it's quite nice maybe this makes me sound old but it was quite nice to be at a grand prix and still be able to talk to the person next to you yeah that's nice as well (laughs) it doesn't do you know what that's even highlighted when you go to a grand prix weekend now and you've got the formula one cars out and then the gp2 or as they are now f2 cars come out because yeah. You can't talk over the F two car yeah. still. You're still it's in true, that position, yeah. and it's really it's really weird because like Bizarre, with my mum and dad taking them to their first Grand Prix, sat talking to them during the F one and sort of t- kind of 
you know, pass it on my knowledge of what it's like to be at a race circuit and what what to look out for and stuff like that. Then the GP2 came out last year and I couldn't talk to him and I was like going, that's the British guy that's... Yeah. that's the... <laughs> like my dad's like, who is it again? I'm like, oh, that's Gasly. You're just like shouting over the top of yourself. You think well, it was just nicer to have a conversation. Yeah, it's like when you see um, World Endurance Championship as well. The LMP1s sort of zip past... And then you see some of the uh, GTs come past, and I sound like someone gargling gravel as they fly past. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like the Corvette and the Ford we saw were ridiculous. Oh, the, the, the loudest yeah. race cars ever made. Yeah, they were, they were insane. Really noisy. Yeah, they were really cool. Um, on engine, while we're on engines, um, I suppose I'm going to throw a little emergency question into the mix that I've not. I've got one down. more thing on the halo oh. that I want to drop in before we do move on. Yep, yeah, go on. Um, so obviously, once they're properly fitted on the cars, uh, the teams can paint them whatever colour they want. <laughs> um, in fact, I saw a really nice mock-up of the Williams where someone had got the like martini colours sweeping down off the fin along the car and then continuing along the side of the halo. Actually quite cool. Um, but they are also, teams are allowed to fit a fairing around the halo everywhere except the front strut. Then it can extend up to 30 millimetres uh, either side of the structure. Which basically sounds like they can stick some aerodynamics on them, yeah, which is that, very interesting. Confirmed my Ferrari theory, I think. Yeah, it'll be really that, interesting to see what teams actually do with it. Yeah, that that to me, like Stu just said, almost solidifies the yeah, really conspiracy does. theory that the reason Ferrari want it so bad is because they've come up with an idea that they think is going to work. And if the regulations say, yeah, you can put these things on, it'd be it's going it's not going to be anything short of expected when ferrari turn up with something that fits that exactly and just go yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um that's actually made the the image in my head i've got the halo of the finished halo because let's remember these these halos are not final designs yet either everyone's panicking everyone's running around but that's actually true. they might look quite different when they actually get to their final version for 2018 mm. and, then again any changes need testing so i'm actually not sure they will change that much, to be honest. Do you not think? Possibly not. But if they're allowed to add fairings and stuff to them, though, visually, that there'll be differences. Yeah, true. So it it could. You never know. I mean, it's like anything. Like everyone panics, like they did in two thousand nine. Oh, the cars look rubbish. But yeah. after two races, when they're all racing so close, you, get used you stop them, noticing you? anyway. You just you concentrate on the personalities and and the action that goes on track. The the, the cars almost become secondary at at times. Not always, obviously. You want you want to look at great looking no, cars, you mean. but but while they're actually racing, you're not you're not sat there going, oh look how nice that front wing is. I you, you you're saying, oh look how good that move was. That's yeah. what you're doing. Um. So just back to the engines, um, they are sort of slowly starting to sort of shape up which, uh, how they're going to sort of work the engine formula from 2021. Um, what would you guys like to see next engine formula? Um, <sighs> it's a tricky one. I know one. it's a tough it's, one. Um... It's a bit of a tough one, that. Especially when you drop it on us, like yeah, I know, I know. I... Um, I imagine they will back down to all the noise and potentially go back to V8s. I think, but yeah. still with all sorts of hybrid business going. Yeah, I think. I think what I would like to see is 
a continuation of the hybrid technology because that's supposed to be the point of the sport is to be the pinnacle and the best you can make of an engine, which yeah. to me should include that. But I think that maybe the complexity of trying to be too efficient causes issues with teams either not like Honda not being able to build an engine yeah. or you know teams having reliability issues potentially like Renault um so I think maybe just simplifying it a little bit and and giving a little more power back to the combustion side but still using the hybrid technology to make it more efficient I think some sort of middle ground between the two is yeah. what I'm getting at really yeah, yeah I, I, think so. I think yeah it's sort of that sort of mirrors what sort of companies like Cosworth have been saying and things like, and, and Honda actually as well so saying they'd like to go back to I guess put a stick a bigger battery in it have more MG UK um reliance so brake energy re- recovery yeah and um take out the MGUH which is the heat related um motor generator mm. which is the one that actually causes all the pro- most of the problems in these it's cars. A, it's the most common part to fail I think on yeah. the yeah, it seems to be. seasons cars um, yeah. but sadly it is where they're getting a lot of the thermal efficiency from as well because obviously you're taking that heat yeah. And you're generating energy from it to power the car, so they they would become less thermally efficient as a a lot less thermally efficient as a result of losing that. But if it means that we can have the likes of Porsche and Aston Martin and Cosworth and you know Audi maybe even VW, you know VW Group, it'd be I'd welcome a, a simpler engine. And yeah. if it means that you know we're going to have more competitive racing as well, and it's going to be easier for for the engine's going to become less of a uh differentiator then I, i'm totally happy for that i've just thought on about something i saw this week i don't know if that spurred that or not but there was a piece saying that cosworth were trying to plan a comeback wasn't they for 2020 for the new or 2021 for the new regs yeah I mean, how much truth there is in it i don't know but well, they've been at that. They have been at the strategy group meetings with with Porsche and, and Aston and and you know all the current mm. um, engine providers as well. So Fingers there's an interest. Yeah. I think it's given Honda struggles. Who's gonna go to yet another brand new manufacturer? Like, I certainly wouldn't. Well, I don't know. But if I you can think, think about... of one team, that might. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about uh, manufacturers like such as Porsche and stuff, though, they've they've got. Le Mans experience and world endurance experience, haven't they? And in building hybrid engines, yeah. So if it's if it's brought backwards a little bit to be somewhere in between what we had and what we've got, that could be something ideal for them to jump on. In the same way that Mercedes were already building the hybrid technology before the hybrid formula kicked in, which is why they had such a jump start on everyone because it, you know, they were putting that te- technology in trucks and vans and stuff for yeah. three yeah. or four years before they were putting in an F1 car. So they had that stuff nailed. Yeah. Uh, which and is why shows, they got the jump. It? Yeah. It totally exactly. So shows. Exactly. Like that, that engine when it came out was just so you could see even just like in the engineering of it, when you mm. see it as a, as a unit, it looks so much more tidy and compact than all yeah. the others. Like you could tell, that it looked like they'd had years and years of a head start. Yeah, Chris, did you have something to to chip in there? I thought I interrupted you. Uh, if I did, I've already forgotten who it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did just stumble across one new bit of, I think, fairly breaking news. Oh, go on. Um, 
So uh, last year, I think it was Mercedes kind of reserved their place in Formula E for season six. Uh, they've today announced that they are actually taking up their entry for the 2019-2020 season. So Mercedes are going to be having a Formula E team. Wow, that's awesome. But so that's also now... a bit of a worry for, for, uh, for <laughs> Formula One. I don't know. Like Renault managing both. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's that's now Renault, Mercedes, Audi. Uh, who else are running teams in Formula E? Someone else, still, isn't there? Jag. Jag, Jag of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's more more manufacturers in Formula One now, which says a lot, doesn't it? It's yeah. interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, Ross Brown must be worried. Hmm. He's got a lot of work to do. The problem is the people, the loudest critics of Formula One aren't going to go off to Formula E. That's true. They're the but... sort of people that moan about engine noise and stuff. They're not going to go to Formula E. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then still watch Formula 1 even after. Um, anyways, 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 I think we've probably uh, got enough there, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've rambled for a while. Yeah, we've right? talked for quite a long time about yeah. that stuff. The time's gone so quick, though. It's been great. Time flies and you're having fun. Yeah, yeah, it does. So shall we do some predictions for... Uh... For uh, no, I think we should not bother this week. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might say that, Chris. <laughs> um, I'm going to make you anyway, and I'm going to make you go first for that remark as well, Chris. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, fastest qualifier, please. Hamilton. Hamilton. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Tom? Bottas. Bottas. Bold. Uh, I am going to go for Hamilton myself as well. I'm going to be sensible. Uh, Tom, who's going to win? Um, Hamilton. Hamilton's gonna win. Okay. Uh, my prediction also is Hamilton for the win because I'm gonna be sensible again. Uh, Chris. Yep, Hamilton as well. Hamilton. No risks okay. this week. First, and I've changed the title of this to first DNF. Nice. Because that's what it is. Uh, it is my turn to go first, and I am. Oh, I've not done my research this week, so I'm gonna get this wrong. Uh, uh, do you want to know last year's? Yes, please. Last year's was Jensen Button. Jensen Button. Oh wow! Oh, that makes it tricky. Uh, I'm gonna go. How many were they last last year? I don't In know. F- wow. Okay, last year there were 21 finishes. Jensen was the only retirement last year. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, actually, you know, I've done. I've been doing a bit of research for this this week. I did do oh, a bit you? of research, but it was like last week before uh, before predictions came around because I, huh. I didn't know if we we're going to do predictions last week. So uh, I did all my research before then. Um, anyway, I'm going to go Kvyat. I'm going to stick to my guns about <laughs> him um, potentially getting himself some penalty points. And Kvyat. Um, hmm. Stoffel Van Dorn. Van Dorn. Oh, you're going on a, a sort of engine route there, right? Yeah. From from memory, I always think that around here, it's not too hard on the cars. I don't. I don't no. think that there's many mechanical failures. So I just expect, like, I'm giving away my next guess, but I just yeah. expect him <laughs> to be brutally honest. And well. Like, well, Honda said they deliberately took the penalties uh, at Silverstone uh, to avoid having any at Hungary because obviously Hungary is a decent shot of McLaren getting yeah. some points. So based on that, I'm going to say Alonso. 
Alonso. <laughs> okay. Uh, number of finishers. It's back to you, Chris. I think I'm gonna go high as well. Let's go. Let's go. Eighteen. Eighteen. Wow. Oh. So who's you, who do you think are gonna? So Alonso and what Van Dorn is your retirement? Uh, maybe a, maybe a Kvyat, maybe a Sauber. Hmm. Uh, Tom. Mine's nineteen. Nineteen. Ooh. Oh. Mm. Um, As I'm, I say, I think it'll just be like one random failure of some kind, and that's pretty much it. Mm. I uh, I'm gonna disagree with both of you. And I'm going to go, on average, this year, we've had we've not had a race where we've had less than four retirements, I don't think. Um, and some of those have been did not starts as well some, on occasion. So I'm going to go 16 finishers for this. So I predict four retirements. Mm. Then again, Kvyat could manage that all on his own in first corner. Yeah, he could. You know, That's very true. <laughs> Torpedo through there. So I'm, I'm waiting for a montage of Kvyat crashes to come through, hmm. you know. There's plenty of uh, Maldonado ones, but none for Kvyat yet, and I'm sure... I don't know, there is there is a half-decent Kvyat one, I think, is that's got everything up, up to the start of the season, but it needs this season adding to it oh, to right, make it's it gonna double complete. The of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who have we got as a random driver this week? A random driver this week is Valtteri Bottas. Bottas. Ooh. Oh, that's a... <laughs> It's never easy, I suppose, is it, random driver? Because you. Just it's tricky now for Tom. Does Tom stick to his guns and go for the clean sweep, or does he? Uh... Yeah, I do. I'm Ooh. saying second. I'm saying second. Oh, you're gonna hedge your bets. Yeah. I'm gonna. Well, I've got. I've got oh, no, Hamilton. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I've got Hamilton for. Oh, yeah, yeah he's Hamilton calling that Hamilton one too. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go. I think second as well. And Chris. Damn it! So do I. <laughs> oh, this is rubbish. <laughs> this is the most so boring set of predictions of all time. No so we're all anyone. going, we've all gone Hamilton Bottas 1 2. Watch Ferrari turn up with a massive upgrade now and just smash <laughs> everyone. We're all, yeah, no, yeah. You know Danny Ricardo's going to win this, don't you? He could. Yeah. He absolutely could. I think Hulkenberg could win it. They're bringing a new, they're bringing a new That's floor. A- Bold uh, oh no, they've claim. got sorry. Uh, they've got the new floor. Pa- they've got the new floor. They've got the yeah. Floor. Palmer's yeah, getting yeah. it. Palmer's getting the new floor, isn't he? Palmer to get some points. That's a random oh, off the board prediction. That'd be great if he could. They've they've actually said that they uh, they need both drivers to finish in the points, which <laughs> sounds ominous to me. That yeah, it has like, not a subtle hint of yeah. That sounds pull your like out, get some points in. this race, or or uh, a certain Polish man's going to be sitting in your seat. Yeah. Spa. Anyways, that's enough for this week. I think um, you can follow us on Twitter at Back of the Grid. You can find us on Facebook if you search for Back of the Grid, and we are on Instagram um, at Back of the Grid. Also, um, and the website is backofthegrid.com. How many times can you say Back of the Grid in a sentence? <laughs> uh, I <laughs> am on Twitter at stupid underscore px. Tom's on Twitter at tomkin89. Tom King 89 and Chris is on Twitter at TNM Chris um, and if you would be so kind join us after the Hungarian Grand Prix where we will uh, we'll dissect what I've no doubt will be an awesome race and uh, we'll talk all about it and send in your predictions, have we done that? oh yes, and send, send in your predictions, yeah, send in win, your a prize. predictions. You can win a prize, if you get a clean sweep you can win an awesome prize which we haven't decided what it is yet but... <laughs> It'll be awesome. We need to start thinking about it though, since our yeah, dat's life almost won it last week. Yeah. Um 
And there will be a prize at the end of the season for the listener with the highest score. Yeah. So I'm going to predict that our um, the first clean sweep is going to come in the week when Hamilton turns up as the random driver and it'll be a Hamilton qualifier, Hamilton win, Hamilton random driver first. Yeah, that's that's going to be definitely the biggest It's, it's the two in the middle though that are the problem. If you ever notice that, you know, the ones either side aren't too bad. Yeah. The, the random drivers people usually are pretty close to the random drivers. They are actually. That first predictions and number of finishes can eh, first prediction, sorry, first DNF and number of finishes can really throw people. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so, on that note, it's goodbye from me and um it's goodbye from these two. Bye. And to play us out, I've got as a very, very special song from Cough Cough Wing oh, Wing God. Productions on YouTube. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Thanks, Seb. It's actually a decent tune. Is it's it? a banger. <laughs> Is it? Used to rave to that one. <laughs> Bottas. Ooh. Ooh, are you eating something? Yeah, I apologise. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that again. again. I'm starving. I'm starving as well. Hello and welcome to... For- to ba- oh, God. <laughs> Hell, that's what a cold will do to you.